Hello, so today we consider the pound and we ask, have we seen the high for this cycle? But before we do that, I just wanted to make a brief comment on the budget or the spring statement as they call this one. And it was the usual, tinkering around the edges, political point scoring, sound fury, but no meaningful reform. Rishi Sunak might have a picture of Nigel Lawson on his wall, but he's not emulating him. I had a picture of Kenny Dalgleish on my wall for most of my childhood. It didn't make me a good footballer. Lawson removed a tax with every budget, incrementally simplifying the tax code and lowering taxes over his, I think it was six years in office. Every Chancellor since, Labour or Tory, has incrementally bloated it to the point that we now have a tax code that is something like ten times the length of all the Harry Potter novels combined. And as a result, what Dominic Cummings calls the blob distends or inflates. And this is a graphic I used in a show at the Edinburgh Festival in 2016, Let's Talk About Tax. And after three years of Philip Hammond and two of Rishi Sunak, I'm sorry to report that the red bar here is now much bigger, <laughs> while the others all remain the same. And look at that, it's four times longer than the Chilcot Report, it's 11 or 12 times longer than the complete works of Shakespeare or the Bible. The Hong Kong tax code is less than 2% of the size of the UK tax code, and which economy has done better over the last 50 years? Tax reform is one of the few ways and one of the most effective ways by which a politician really can change things. And Rishi, as we all knew he would, has missed his chance. He's yet another one who tinkers with a label on the paintwork while the steamroller rolls on. And, you know, you can change the whole way society is geared, the way it's motivated, by reform to the tax code. You can change the whole dynamic and, and they never do. Anyway, that's my rant over. So, um, two, let's talk about um, the great British pound. And I, I, I'm sorry about my rant. I hope you don't mind indulging me. So, sterling. Um, if you're a regular viewer or regular reader of my columns, you'll know that there's a cycle that I've observed, a long-term cycle, and given the state of the world and of British finances in particular, I thought it's worth checking back in on this cycle. And I'm going to start, before we come to the cycle, I'm going to start with this three-year chart, which gets you up to scratch with the recent price action. So cable, that is to say the pound versus the dollar, it's called cable because of the first transatlantic cable under the... Um, Atlantic broadcast the price. But anyway, you can see the collapse in 2020 with the corona panic to $1.15. Subsequent bull market, which lasted over a year, topping at 142 last summer, and then the declines that have followed. And currently, we're at about $1.32, 10 cents off the high, and we are in an entrenched downtrend that looks rather like a sort of expanding funnel. And the pattern recognition people would call this a descending, broadening wedge. This is all symptomatic of a leadership that's chosen the, the Brussels-on-Thames route rather than the more business-friendly Singapore-on-Thames or Hong Kong-on-Thames option. Now, assuming that wedge keeps its shape, the projected short-term action would be a rally to the sort of 135 area, followed by further declines. 
Now, I want now to put this in the context of my longer term cycle, which, as you'll know, I've called Frisbee's Flux because I was the person that observed it first. Now, when I'm talking about cycles, let me issue the usual disclaimer. Cycles are arbitrary patterns put on past events, usually by academics. Real life in real time is often a very different matter. Nevertheless, cycles can still help give you an idea of where we are in the grand scheme of things. And my observation is that roughly every eight years, after a major bear market, the pound hits a tradable low. And we start with 1976, that was the year of the, that, uh, of the IMF crisis, the International Monetary Fund crisis. At one point, inflation reached 24% and they measured it properly then. The Labour government borrowed just shy of four billion dollars at the time the largest loan ever requested and from high to low i'm not sure if it was dollars or sterling but anyway from high to low sterling lost around 40 percent reaching 160 but it recovered and by the early 1980s sterling was back above 240. then came the next bear phase in which the pound would drop by more than 55 percent and reach an all-time low against the dollar one dollar four and that was the the end the era of the falklands war and then the miners strike but on the other side of the trade, that trade at that time, the US dollar was extraordinarily strong, so much so that France, Germany, Japan, the United States, the UK, they all colluded to depreciate it. And that was the Plaza Accord of 1985. And again, sterling would recover this time to $2. In 1992, sterling hit another marked low. This was Black Wednesday when the Bank of England took the, the UK out of the European exchange rate mechanism, the ERM, and it fell from $2 to $1.40. That's a 30% loss. And the killing that George Soros made selling the pound sealed uh, his reputation. Eight years later, around 2000, as the dot-com bubble collapsed, so the pound lost 20% of, of its value. Again, it recovered. By 2007, it was above $2.10. Can you imagine the pound above $2 only 15 years ago? Not even 15 years ago. Then we got the financial crisis of 2008, and the pound lost 35%, hitting a low of $1.36. And the next low came in 2016 with the infamous flash crash of 2016, shortly after Theresa May's speech at the conference, at the Conservative Party conference. And having been above $1.70 at one point earlier in the cycle, it hit a low of $1.14, according to some measures. Different, different brokerages have different methods. But the overall drop from high to low was 35%. And the subsequent bull market was about the limpest in living memory. I expected much more. I hoped for much more. I wrote about it, predicted it. The 2016 was low was retested in the corona panic, and then we got that rally above $1.40, which peaked in August that I mentioned earlier. Don't you love charts? Everything I've just described is all in that chart, which you could have watched and surveyed much quicker than I spoke about it. Anyway, the next big question is, was that the high, 142 last summer? Well, in previous articles on this subject, I've often said we should be looking to get short on strength in the 22 to 23 timeframe. So last summer, it, it, maybe it's a bit early. And it's worth noting, by the way, that the pound trades in line with financial assets. It's no surprise given how geared our economy is to finance. So when you get stock market panics, 2008, 2020, with the war, the pound always takes a hit, the war in Ukraine. So the stage is kind of set 
for another market decline, international conflict, out of control inflation, weak strategy-free leadership, jittery markets. But a lot of that's not unique to the UK. And we have to ask, are we that much weaker than our competitors? I'm not sure, but you know, we're, we're not a manufacturer, we're pretty vulnerable. Anyway, I would hope for one last hurrah before the declines, but they may have already begun. Hold on to your gold, <laughs> hold on to your Bitcoins, you'll be glad of them. By the way, gold might have been a rubbish asset through the, um, through the past decade, if you measure it in US dollars. But sterling owners of gold, with the terrible decade that it's just had, will have a very different perspective. Cut to the chase. I predict that by 2025, sterling will have hit parity with the US dollar. Thank you very much for watching. Uh, that's not discounting a little last hurrah before it does. Thanks very much for watching. Please subscribe to the channel. More importantly, please subscribe to my Substack letter. There's a link somewhere on the screen. And uh, I'll be back with another video very soon. Until then, cheerio.